Welcome to another episode of The Cubic Report. My guest today is one of the most notable people in my life, whom I have known for 30 years. His name is Mario Sigli, and we're glad to have him here on our podcast. Welcome, Mario. Oh, thank you very much, Vic. Nice to be here. Well, I'm just so grateful that we're able to do this podcast here at our home. I'd like to say a few things about Mario. I can't help that. I know we want to get into our subject, but he's a multidimensional person with many, many skills. He lives in Anaheim, California with his wife, Kati, and he's pastor of Southern California churches in Orange County. He's originally from Cuba, where he came from in 1960 during the Fidel Castro takeover of that country, and he has many, many stories about his father and mother and him coming to the U.S. Right now, he oversees the Spanish-speaking areas of the United Church of God. But one thing that has really impressed me over the years is his writing ability and his interest in subjects that have to do with uh, aspects of, uh, of Christianity that are not even that delved into by many people, and he makes them very understandable. And particularly, the subject that we'll be talking about today is biblical archaeology. And he can make archaeology very, very interesting and applicable to our lives. He's written a great deal about archaeology. He recently attended a significant conference in Albuquerque here in August of 2022, where there were many speakers of biblical orientation in archaeology. One of them was Scott Stripling, who works with the Associates for Biblical Research. Uh, Mario, could you please tell us about the conference here and about what you saw and what you did? Yes, I'll be glad to. had an opportunity to go to Albuquerque, New Mexico, for this uh, symposium of archaeology. We had numerous archaeologists and scholars give presentations. And there was one in particular that certainly got all of our attention, and that was Dr. Scott Stripling. He is in charge of the dig or excavation on the Mount Ebal site in Israel. And they just made a remarkable discovery. One of these that might parallel with uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls being found back in 1949. Mm -hmm. So this doesn't happen very often. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Well, we want to hear about this because I know that you were very excited. You went there with a group of others here from the United Church of God, and everyone came back very, very excited because of these findings that, while they're interesting in their own right, they are especially interesting because they corroborate certain biblical writings, and particularly in this case, those of Deuteronomy and, and Joshua. And that's what we want to hear about, because people get very excited when they see that the things that are in the Bible are not something that was legend or something that was put together by people who didn't know what they were writing or pieced together, but something that really was inspired by God. Writing is inerrant, and the research that's been done archaeologically has corroborated that. Yes, for those who do highly respect the Bible, not only as wonderful literature and man has been influenced by it, Western society has been built greatly on that foundation, but also, if they believe it is the inspired Word of God. Mm -hmm. And several times in the Bible it says God cannot lie. And so what is written there, that God inspired it, it said, he said in Second Timothy 3, 
verse 17, that all scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching. And so when you come across such a incredible discovery that actually goes back about 500 years from the earliest writings that are found in Israel as uh, the alphabet. It, it is incredible what was discovered at that time. Well, also I understand that it, it showed that there was Hebrew an alphabet. There was Hebrew writing that things that some people have discounted saying that those things didn't exist. They were very much in existence and proven to be so by these findings. Yes, so uh, this all happened two and a half years ago when they were doing some excavating there on Mount Ebal and also they were, had a method called wet sifting. Mm -hmm. And so there were two mounds from excavations previously of an archaeologist. His name is Adam Sertal, and from 1982 to 1989, he excavated that area, and he found this altar on the side of Mount Ebal. And so we're able to find the enclosure of the whole altar and how people could gather there, and not coincidentally, not as an accident, but that God had told Israel in Deuteronomy 27, if we go there for a moment, where he tells them that they are to build this altar. It says in Deuteronomy 27, 4, Therefore it shall be when you have crossed over the Jordan, that on Mount Ebal you shall set up these stones, which I command you today, and you shall whitewash them with lime. And there you shall build an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones. You shall not use an iron tool on them. Well, actually, Mount Ebal, they found an altar with an extended enclosure around it. And then this altar, they looked at it and dated it archaeologically around the time of Judges, which could have been some 100, 200 years after Joshua. Mm -hmm. So they said, well, this couldn't have been the same altar because it was older than the time of Joshua. So that's where things were until Scott Stripling started digging there. And on March 2020, they made an astounding discovery. Now, along with this discovery I'm going to bring, as they excavated better the altar that they had already found, they actually went inside deeper into the altar and they found an older altar that was circular around uh, three and a half feet in diameter. And this one, they did date to the time of the 1350s, 1380s mm -hmm. BC, which is the time when uh, Israel came into the land and would have built this altar. 
wasn't there something that was so the wet sifting is what verified some things and dug some things out but uh, what other things did they find find it's, it's like a secondary uh, look at something that could have been lost if it wasn't carefully handled exactly so they had two piles from the previous excavation by Adam Sertal and they decided to do wet sifting which was a method of taking all of these excavated remains mostly uh, still covered with mud and the archaeologists had just briefly gone through it and when they didn't find anything interesting they put it in this pile but wet sifting is when you take a tub full of water and then you have a mesh and then you take everything and you put it into the water and so with the water then you sift it that's why it's called uh, wet sifting mm -hmm. and many things appear once the mud is away from it and that's exactly what happened to make this startling discovery and what else do you want to know before <laughs> I reveal it well uh, I, I feel that the revelation to people here is is the fact that uh, indeed this corroborates what's in the Word of God. I mean, this is, most people aren't archaeologists to really know, but they see people like Scott Stripling, who is, appears to be a God-fearing person, whose intent is to go there to prove the Bible true instead of trying to debunk it. So go ahead and tell us, reveal what you're going to reveal. <laughs> yes, if there was someone that was genuinely trying to find things to corroborate the Bible, uh, Scott Strip Stripling certainly fits this role. And so what they found was this folded lead tablet. Right. A little over an uh, inch, inch and a half, almost two inches across, and it was square. And it was made out of lead. And so when they took it, they started examining it, and they found on the outside letters written on this lead tablet. Now, if we go to uh, Job and see what it says here about these lead tablets, in Job 19, verse 23, Job exclaimed, Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book, that they were engraved on a rock with an iron pen and lead forever. And so here way back in the Old Testament, you're talking about using lead, using pens to inscribe on a type of a lead tablet because it would be lasting. And so what they found was that all of these letters were the oldest examples that they had of what they call proto-alphabetic or proto-hebraic script. In other words, the earliest type of Hebrew writing. And it was 500 years older than when they have found previously in other types of documents or columns. So when they started uh, looking at the tablet, they, they realized that there was something inscribed inside this folded tablet. And so they took it to a, labo a laboratory in Holland, which had specialized type of 
lasers that they could probe, go through, and be able to read these letters without opening the, this lead tablet because ancient age that it has, it probably would have just crumbled. Mm -hmm. But they were able to find there were 48 of these proto-alphabetic Hebrew letters. And they were able to read them. And so that was even more remarkable because it talked about being cursed mm -hmm. by Yahweh if you did not keep his law and commandments. So Vic, Good. that's what they discovered. Right. That fit in with the Mount Gerizim, Mount Ebal, the kind of congregational going back and forth about the blessings and cursings, right? Correct. In this tablet, it actually, the inscription reads, you are cursed by Yahweh. Cursed, you will die. Cursed, cursed, you will surely die. Cursed, you are by Yahweh. Cursed. And what did God say in uh, Joshua, the book of Joshua? He said precisely that Israel was supposed to stand on either one of these mountains, Mount Ebal faces, Mount Gerizim. In Mount Gerizim, you're supposed to be shouting, uh, Blessed he that keeps my words, my laws. But if you didn't, it was the opposite on this mountain of Ebal, where you were accepting that there was a curse for disobeying God. Mm -hmm. Well, that's uh, very, very interesting because that's been God's theme all the way through from the Garden of Eden, you know, where God has talked to mankind, here is the way you ought to live. And if you live this way, you will have life. You will have the tree of life. And if you don't, you will die. He says the day that you eat and go a different direction of disobedience, you will die. So it, it corroborated or it supported, it endorsed the way of God with mankind. Yes, this is mm -hmm. a very ancient theme in the Bible. God even said it to Adam and Eve. He said here that uh, you have the tree of life or you have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now you are going to choose and accordingly you're going to be blessed or cursed. Unfortunately, Adam and Eve started taking the wrong tree, the wrong knowledge. Satan's influence entered there, distorted their view, and eventually mankind was thrust from the Garden of Eden and started their own civilizations with their own ideas. But God's word was still there. People had a choice whether to follow God and be blessed or disobey God and be cursed. You know, Mario, this has been, to me, one of the most personal, interesting philosophical adventures. Oh, the creation of mankind and God wanting to reproduce, you know, his likeness. You know, we were created in God's image and likeness. You know, we, were, we, we are made of the kind of God. But then you have, in the Garden of Eden, the introduction of evil. And mankind being thrust out was God saying that, okay, you want to do it your way. You have a right to make that choice. They did. But you have to live with the consequences. And that's what we have been suffering with all along. And that's repeated through the law that was given to Moses. And actually, it's the whole story about salvation and grace through Jesus Christ and redemption 
Yes, uh, God started a theme, and this theme runs through the whole Bible about you have a choice of following him or following the world's ways. We have the covenant renewal at the time of Nehemiah, where again they brought up the blessings and the cursings. And then in the New Testament, there's a baptismal covenant, mm -hmm. which includes blessings, cursings, and grace. And it's based upon repentance, Correct. which is leaving the way of evil and disobedience to follow the way of obedience. Correct. So we have covenants with God. And just like that time in Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim, you know, what mountain are we going to end up living in? Are we going to walk by faith and obedience through life, knowing there are going to be a lot of ups and downs, but we want God to be there with us. We want to be on that right mountain. And that New Testament covenant, it says there in Hebrews chapter 12, Verse 22 says, But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks better than the blood of Abel. So this is a covenant that we walk by, that we realize we have to be faithful. We have a choice. Every day we choose to obey or to disobey God and to face the different consequences. What's interesting that the find that was made of something extremely ancient had to do with something very relevant with the curse tablet, as it's called, the curse tablet. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a wake-up call for mankind to realize uh, we live in a world that has not only physical laws, but they have spiritual laws. And those laws are as inexorable as the physical laws. You break them, and they will eventually break you. And that's a part of our faith. Our faith is, is in believing that God knows what he's talking about. You know, when those laws were placed there, you may, you, you may think that you can get away with adultery, you can get away with lying, you can get away with stealing when somebody doesn't even know that you've stolen. But really a society cannot survive on that because all those laws that have been broken have brought about society that has come to a hateful, lawless mess that... It's about to collapse on itself. We can sometimes wonder why this little tablet was discovered precisely at this time when mankind is going through so much havoc, so much confusion. And yet here we have a confirmation that the God of heaven did talk to man, did instruct man on how to live without those curses. God does not want those curses upon us. He is a loving father. He wants the best for us. But there are going to be consequences for breaking his laws. And that's the same today as it was ever in the past. I'd like to circle back a little bit on this conference. 
Uh, how did you come to see this kind of, I know you follow, you have newsletters and magazines. I, I get Biblical Archaeology Review. I don't have a subscription right now, but I've been following that sort of from a distance. But I, and I know that you've had a continual interest in that. But what brought about your going to this particular conference with people like Scott Stripling and there were a number of others. I saw some YouTube videos summarizing this uh, event. And what kind of a conference was it? Uh, it seemed like it was uh, quite an event. It was. They had excellent presenters. Were others there present? Scott Stripling also made some amazing discoveries of the area of Shiloh and actually also the area where the tabernacle had been in Shiloh. And they actually found many of the remains and these storage places that uh, they had just enormous amount to store things. And they wondered why was that related to Shiloh? And then they realized that it was because people would bring tithes and offerings to Shiloh. Mm -hmm. That was where the tabernacle was. That's where the priesthood was operating. And so, of course, you had all of these storage rooms to be able to carry out God's will, provide for the Levites. So even that far away back in time, you find these wonderful corroborations that you don't hear too much about in the press. And how I heard about it was precisely in the ABR, which is the Associates of Biblical Research. Uh, I take their magazine, and they mentioned about this cursed tablet on Mount Ebal. And so I was able to see the press conference when Scott Stripling made the presentation, along with two uh, Hebrew epigraphers, which are these experts on handwriting, and they confirmed that these the, the, this is the oldest type of writing that they had found ever about uh, the alphabetic script. And so, of course, when I knew Scott Stripling was going to be there, also other archaeologists, that the one that's uh, digging up uh, Sodom and Gomorrah mm -hmm. as well, so, of course, I took the chance to get to go over there and see them all. Mm -hmm. Did you talk to Scott Stripling yourself? Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. had a chance to be with them, for, for be with him, and personally talk. Very engaging person, very humble and wonderful person. Made a big impact on me, a person with such scholarly knowledge, and yet very down-to-earth very humble, and so that was a treat for me to have met him. That's wonderful. It's wonderful, too, that my ministry for 53 years, and I remember the archaeology of 1966-67, different faculty members at Ambassador College, you know, were involved in, and I'm just amazed as to how far it's come, how many things have proceeded since the Kathleen Kenyans and other archaeologists of so those times were which were the rock stars, you might say, of archaeology. But where it's come to with the different digs and the different things that have been established. So what step has this made now in coming to understand truth and has it been convincing to the gainsayers? Yes, in the last uh, 
10 years in particular, the most amazing discoveries have taken place. And many of the naysayers didn't think there was that much proof, for in instance, about the Hebrew language back in the 13, 1400s, the Exodus when Israel came into the land, and then Moses composed those first five books of the Bible. There's more and more evidence. But this little humble tablet, just watch what is going to be happening in the next uh, year or so. Because they have a peer review article coming out. And how the naysayers are going to try to explain that, that Israel was not in the land at that time. That they didn't conquer. There was no evidence for Joshua being present and also about the law of God existing at the time. And if here you have the name of God at that time, and you have parts of the Bible that were written, because that cursed tablet talks precisely of what God said, you will proclaim uh, curses for those who don't obey them. And now you have written evidence of that. I know that God, is in our times in which we live, is going to, as a witness, show certain things that are biblical epic events. Probably the two biggest ones are the Exodus and Noah's flood, that, that they actually took place because there is evidence. And I feel like what's important about this one is, is that some of the naysayers say the society was not developed, there was no language. And here we have an alphabet, and not only an alphabet, but we have the text for what we already have in Deuteronomy, or Numbers Deuteronomy. Yes, the Israeli epigrapher Gershon Galo, one of the ones to examine carefully this cursed tablet, says about it, about the writer, it was someone who knows how to write a text with a chiastic or chiastic pattern like this can write anything, calling the writer a genius. Because it wasn't just written out, it had a rhythm, it had poetry behind it. And it, and from those 48 letters, you could tell there was an extensive vocabulary being used at that time. You've given your presentation. We've had Peter Eddington here give a presentation about this here because he was one of the attendees at that time. And I was just really starstruck by, by the fact that you talk about archaeology, which could be a subject that is not immediately exciting to people, about how exciting this was about things that have been found. Even Scott Ashley, you know, who was not there at that one, but at other, we've, we've done podcasts with him about different things that have been found that have supported what the Bible has to say. Certainly this has to work on people's minds. I have talked to people that were believers at one time and then became agnostics because they said the Exodus never took place. There's no real evidence. There's no real evidence of any kind of movements through the Sinai. And now we're finding that whole civilizations have been built up there as they start digging and going down and finding civilizations and groupings of people that had lived there. Yes, that's why this discovery in Mount Ebal is so remarkable. It's on the right mountain. It's on the right area where there was this altar that inside of that older altar, there was an older one, which dates back to the 1400s. And then you have this 
tablet that talks about cursings for those who do not obey God. And what that was precisely what you read in Deuteronomy 27 and also Joshua 6 and 7. It talks about these curses. So it's too much of a coincidence even for the naysayers to try to hoo-poo and try to explain away these wonderful bits of evidence. Well, this has been just so good to hear this firsthand, Mario, because you've made it very, very plain. You made it very interesting with the others that have gone there. Will there be any articles in the Beyond Today magazine on this, or are there any plans for that? Yes. Yes, we're planning. There's a section in the Beyond Today magazine that has to do with archaeological discoveries, and that will be out because that is news that people need to know to check things out for yourself. Don't let people dissuade you about uh, the Bible not being reliable. These are all pieces of a puzzle that show the remarkable accuracy of the Bible. Okay, well, listen, Mario, it's been great talking to you. It's just been very, very good to hear you talk firsthand and to see you face-to-face -face here. I might say that I have enjoyed uh, being with uh, Mario on a particular trip that we took together, or at least I followed him, to South America. We were in Chile in 2018 in January. It went on to the Misiones areas, uh, area in northern Argentina, and that was just very exciting, and I really thoroughly enjoyed that. Yes, it was a wonderful trip. So, thank you very much. Any final words? I'd like to end with uh, Revelation 21, 3 through 5, because those curses are just temporary measures. That God is bringing a kingdom. He has a wonderful plan for all of us. And one day, when people will be converted into part of God's family with spirit bodies with uh, minds that think similarly to God. He says here in Revelation 21, verses 3 through 5, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Talked about the tabernacle in Shiloh being just a representation, but here's the real thing. The tabernacle coming down from the new Jerusalem. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. There won't be any more curses. People will learn how to live like God lives and be with God the Father and Jesus Christ forever in his wonderful kingdom. Thank you so much. This is so encouraging. This is just very uplifting. I know that this will be that way to the people who are listening to your pod, this podcast. Thank you, Mario, for coming with us. and uh, We appreciate you and love you very much. Thank you. We thank you, our listeners, for joining us here today for The Cubic Report. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please share it and tell your friends about it. We can be found on a variety of platforms, including Podbean, which includes information about this podcast, Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible, Pocketcaster, and other podcasting platforms. You can easily find us on any browser address bar by simply typing in the words 
the Cubic Report. And there we are. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your impressions and suggestions. So write to us at vcubic at gmail.com. V-K-U-B-I-K at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. Come back soon for more.